Mondays. It's Great Mondays Radio. I'm Josh Levine, your host, founder of Great Mondays. We help executives from hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations build cultures that attract, engage, and retain top talent. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, hang out for about 20 minutes and I'll tell you how. Holy moly, welcome back to Great Mondays Radio. I can't believe that I'm finally sitting down with the incredible Emily Griffin, who is Chief of Staff at Microsoft. She is uh, an incredible, I think, visionary. She has a ton of experience building digital products, working with teams that build digital products, and she is going to shed some light on some of the amazing experiences that she has had in her extensive career. Emily, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Josh. I'm so excited to be here finally. It's taken a minute for us to have the stars align, but we're here. We're I'm so here. excited to dive, to dive in. Yeah, that's right. So I think we should start with this like when did you realize like uh it's not that you know i think you come at culture from a very different perspective you you arrived here from a different very different uh vector and you have just a ton of experience in that product space and the digital space and in a lot of other organizations so can you share with us just how you know, how you got here and then we'll kind of get, then we'll move on to like what you're doing now and how you're making that happen. Yeah. Well, I, my history in my, in my career is around entertainment and music. And so I think I was always around really fantastic creative cultures. And as I evolved my career into working in tech and then eventually working as an independent consultant, helping early stage startups with their products, I started to get exposed to different teams and started to really see where culture was weak. And I think there's that saying, you know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And I think I, I just assumed that this thing always happened because I was always around creative people who kind of got it and loved like learning and experimenting together. But I was working as an independent consultant for an early stage startup who had a very righteous mission, very feminist forward, outward mission that really attracted a lot of really great talent. Um, But it was not set up for success. And I really felt that pain. Uh, I saw the lack of awareness, that lack of alignment about what culture is, how to build it. And that on top of this immense pressure that businesses feel to grow, the urgency of everything, yep. it things can, can devolve really quickly. And so I started to think of like, well, in this way that I'm able to get an engineering and design operation going in a rhythm and working with listening to customers and working across with across the business, with marketing and all these different aspects, I was like, how, how can we approach culture from that lean, agile, human-centered design, same behavior. And Mm -hmm. that's what sparked my curiosity. That's when I discovered Culture Amp. It's when I discovered you. And that's when I realized, okay, there is a model. This is like, it's not my, it's not my idea, but like, wow, I can do it. And you were a really big encouragement for me that I could approach culture and culture design as a creative and a product maker um, because my background isn't in HR, right? I didn't quite know how to get into focusing on people. 
And you very much, you encouraged me so much on that. And I'm so grateful. And I've really used your model ever since to help me translate what culture is for, for people, help me audit cultures really quickly. And in helping engineers and more product minds understand culture, I'm able to use your model really well because I can say, all right, just like we would be building a product, there's product epics. There's these main thematic things that we have to do for a product. Like, let's say we're talking about an app we've all used before, like Uber. There's epics like ride booking and payment and pricing or ratings and feedback and support. And underneath underneath each of those epics, there's features, right? So. Mm-hmm. For something like behaviors or rituals or recognition, those are epics. And there can be a number of activities and features beneath that. But coming from like a product mind and looking holistically at a system, you want to look at where's the level of effort, where's the business value. And that's how I can help leaders and teams start to see what they can focus on and boost to really bring some more business value to this ecosystem that they're they're playing with. So you're prioritizing, so you're creating a, a parallel. So in digital product design, you have these epics, which are the particular kind of suites of um, actions or services. And that's, you, you make that kind of choice as part of an app development team. What are we going to focus on and how is this going to look? And so you're, what you're describing is culture epics and you're saying each component or whatever you're going to focus on is going to require a little bit of, you know, focus and deciding that you're going to actually um, lean into, right? Put your shoulder into a particular aspect of it. And it's not just in and out, we're done. Epic, I think, evokes this idea of st- of a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it doesn't just all happen at once. Did I get that? Did I get that yeah, right? It's, it's true. And really, if you think about a great product or a great service and a great culture, there's this flow through it, right? So mm. there's this, the sense of the employee journey, you map the employee journey on that, there's this whole like attract and, and welcome and belong and grow, like there's this whole journey. So that's, that's what I want folks to, to focus on. And of course, my work is very much focused on the welcome, belong and grow part of the journey. Because I also think the recruiting and all of that is very, very important. But if people aren't coming into a system that is healthy, where they can feel like they belong and grow, it's, it, it's not going to, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going, it's not going to lead for like, lead to great business value, great creativity, great innovation. Welcome, belong and grow. I love that. So is that part of, is that uh Anybody who is a chief of staff at Microsoft, is that part of their job description or is this an Emily Emily special here that you're adding in for value? <laughs> well, chiefs of staff really have to think about the entire journey. They have to think about the the attraction, the the recruiting, like they have to think about that whole journey. My my passion is about that welcome, belong and grow piece because I I'm a believer in amazing onboarding. I'm a believer in creating connection on teams to boost innovation and to create a culture of learning and feedback so that people Mm. can grow their careers and have a future at at a company. Yeah. Um, Can can you talk a little bit about um, how you or why 
you are now at Microsoft. So you're talking, you know, you have had a, a, a you have a creative a strong creative streak. I would even say that kind of minimizes it. You have been in, um, you've worked at agencies, creative agencies. You worked, you said you worked independently and here you are now, you are one, you might say, you know, in the belly of the beast, right? So here you've now shown up and now you're at Microsoft. How did you, or why did you choose, right? How is, I guess we kind of all, you know, know maybe how that works, but I'm more interested in why you're here. And, the kind of, I'm always interested in kind of the unique aspects of how, like what you bring and how you do the work that you do, because you're not from that traditional background. So, so that's my question. Why are you at Microsoft? Yeah, Yeah, no, it's great. Well, the, the scale, the scale and potential of impact of working at Microsoft is really what brought me back. So I actually am a boomerang Microsofty because Microsoft is what originally brought me to Seattle and it essentially was my bridge from working in music and entertainment into tech. And so I was at the company uh, many moons ago for seven years and I got a chance to uh, scale a product to many countries and get my first taste of that. Ultimately, I, I left I left and got to work for small agencies and early stage startups for many wow. years and, and got to ha- bring all of that. The, I got my own development and training in lean, agile and human centered design. And uh, post lockdown, I really was gung ho on this whole like I want to do culture design like I, I want I don't want to be a busy PM trying to do this thing off the side of my desk. I really want to center culture and the business. I want to center diversity and inclusion and the things that were really, um, that spoke to my heart. And I got a chance, I did a small contract with Microsoft in 2021 and got a chance to kind of sense the company again and sense the change that has happened mm. since since Satya had become CEO. Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating because I've learned that mindset is the highest leverage point you can have for culture change. And Satya Satya introduced the mindset of growth, growth mindset to the company. And so I got to see the difference of what the company felt like in 2013 to 2021. And I was really impressed. Like I felt how that introduction of that that mindset changed the way people were behaving, the way they were communicating. And that gave me a sense of, hey, I, this could work. Like I, I, this could work again. This could be a healthy environment for me and a welcoming environment for me to bring what, what I have learned from working in the industry to this equation. And I got an opportunity to come in as an employee experience designer. Cause again, I didn't want to be a busy PM trying to do this off the side of my desk. Right. I came in as an employee experience designer and immediately started working on an onboarding program and DNI efforts. And ultimately evolved into a chief of staff role, which is actually the best form for what I'm trying to do. And that was a surprise to me. But again, I, I was open to the form of what it, what it could take, knowing uh-huh. that the, the heart of what I was doing was, again, centering culture, centering the things that are important to me in the business. And as chief of staff, working with a leadership team, driving strategy, driving culture, like this is where it all comes together. And it's, um, it's been really fun so far and challenging. Yeah, that's amazing. So this, this role is really giving you an opportunity to kind of 
uh, have more, using that word, leverage and uh, capacity, visibility and exposure, right? Like that's, yeah. this is, it's a really incredible opportunity that you were able to find yourself in. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, we were talking a little before about some wins and fails. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some wins that you've had or a particular win that you've had um, and what you've learned from it. Yeah, well, I would say the biggest win, looking at even just the last six months of me being a chief of staff um, on this team is that even though it's been an extremely challenging half of a half of a year here in 2023, we were able to focus on on things that we wanted to improve based on feedback that we got from the team. So we have a, a system of feedback twice annually that we listen, we do big surveys and listen to the team and understand what's going well, what needs improvement. And we always have all these, these, these smaller iterative cycles of feedback that we're learning from, you know, at the end of all hands meetings and listening tours and more of that organic feedback loops. And we identified that we wanted to work on, on certain things like hybrid effectiveness and contributing to DNI and collaboration. And even through really challenging times this year, we were able to move the needle on, on those things that we said that were important to us. And that really, to me, shows me the power of feedback and the power of action and taking imperfect action. Uh, because even, even with you know, tight budgets and, and just the, the environment that we've all been working in in this last, you know, this last six months, which has been challenging. Like we still were able to, to learn together, um, share work across teams, like break down those silos, create more, more time for connection. And that's really meaningful to me. And I think telling a story of success for a team yeah. that's working on culture transformation is really important because as one of my teammates um, reflected back to me, he was like, Emily, you're a change maker. You're never going to be satisfied with the changes that have already happened. You're only going to see the change to be yeah. done. But yeah. that's where those those feedback loops and knowing that and sh telling that story of success so that people can see that improvements are being made and we're making them together mm. is is super important because it kind of never feels like enough. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. but it, it's like, taking that incremental steps and understanding that, um, you know, for someone like me coming in and feeling the pain of teams that have, are dealing with culture debt and dealing with year, the, the, the years of, of experience where they haven't been given that kind of infrastructure and permission to connect as humans and work has become so transactional and burnout is real and trust and leadership is low. And that's like not unique to us. So coming in for me, at like initially I was like, I just wanted to boil the ocean. I just wanted to like help everyone, but, yeah. but using these systems for feedback and, you know, taking things month by month, quarter by quarter as a way to like guide and show progress over time is, is a boost of energy for folks. And it's a, you know, it's, it's something that we all need. So it sounds like your feedback cycle um, was as much about um, collecting information about what your team wanted the direction or the priorities your teams wanted to make within the, or within your organization, as opposed to usually when we think feedback cycles, all right, how did you do today? You know, what is it like? And and that's really important, but it, it sounds like you 
is it true from just what you're saying? It sounds like you prioritized like, hey, tell me what we should be working on. What do you need in order to be successful? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, there's actually some really great articles out there. There's an HBR article about why Microsoft measures thriving instead of engagement. And Microsoft defines thriving as employees being energized, empowered, and connected to meaningful work. And there's there's some really fun like HR business analysts, space math that goes into determining this, this score. But I really, like I saw that and I really got behind it. It means, it, I, it has a lot of meaning to me because I look at thriving like fulfillment, right? And that's ultimately the vision for, I think for people working in companies that could take us, you know, through the next 10 to 15 years is yeah. this idea that, we're, we're driving towards a workforce that is actually connected to meaningful work and, and feels like a sense of purpose. And we know that younger generations, that's what they want. Like mm-hmm. that's what they want in work. Like they, they see, they see that the transactional kind of extractive nature of work is like, is, is grinding and is, is not healthy. So, so, you know, we ask people like, well, what do you need? What do you, what does thriving mean to you? Like, what does that mean? And what, and what does that mean from this like abstract concept down into your everyday? Mm-hmm. That's, that's really what I'm interested in because we know that most people's experience of culture and as large of a system, like what I'm in is really comes down to their, their home team, their manager. And so that's, yep. that's really where it becomes true or not. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, that's right. This is a, it's a, you're in a, a, it's a big org. It's a big company. There's a lot going on different. It's a, it's in it's a city, right? It's a, it's like a whole city state almost. It's a country. It's a it country. Is. I would yeah. say like to help people understand the system I'm in, I talk about Microsoft as a country because then there's a state and a city in it. And even my team of 200 designers and researchers is just a neighborhood in a city. In neighborhood so, in a city. Yeah. I love that. I'm, I love the metaphor. It's really, it's really powerful, right? Because you're like, oh, that's how many levels we're talking about, right? Yeah. And it also, and it also unlocks this, like this idea of like organizational citizenship, right? Because I, I mm. want people, and if you're talking about individuals feeling energized, empowered, and connecting to meaningful work, like, like that's a big system to navigate. So like one person feeling connected to their own purpose and feeling like they have the infrastructure and understanding to like navigate that is really, is really important. And so I want people to own their own purpose. I want people to like learn their own leadership because otherwise there's a lot of, there's a lot of weight of the, of the hierarchy and the system that is there. And, um, and that's, that's not for everybody, you know? And it can feel, I mean, this is one of the big drivers of disengagement, right? It can feel like your, your work doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and that's, so, and that's why, that's why the strategy piece is so important. And that's what I've been realizing through the last six months, like weaving together leadership strategy and culture is so important because people want to see that their work matters. They yeah. want to see, they want to see that, that piece that they're doing connects to the overall vision. And, and that's, that's an important thing that is part of the cues, like in your model. Yeah. I, like working as chief of staff has been so fun because I've been able to work in the cues, like part of the model so much because of comms, because of our, our spaces. And even thinking about hybrid work is so much about yeah. where are those cues? Because if people don't have that 
that, you know, that HQ and that office they're coming to every day, how do you create that sense of connection and yeah. to all of it? Yeah. Wow. I love it. I love it. I love it. Any favorite, um, any favorite cues that you've got so far or, or ones that you've gotten good feedback on? I'd love to know what you've come up with. Uh, well, we're, we're going to be experimenting with a weekly like journal from our leadership team, because even oh, when we cool. look across like our rhythm of business, like we have all hands and ask me anything and all of that. But what people really need for cues, especially in a hybrid environment is consistency and mm. frequency. Mm. So even hearing from our leadership team every week, I'm really, I'm really hopeful that that helps people stay connected to the strategy, the culture and understanding like what's on our mind and in our hearts as humans, like, I think that's, that's really important to continue to help people feel connected and like that their, their, their leaders have their back, you know? Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, totally. That's, that's really amazing. Um, what's next? Are you doing any working on anything new, any experiments that you culture experiments or anything that you're kind of growing into? Yes. I'm so excited about this experiment that we're about to do. So um, we're partnering with Imperative, which is a peer coaching platform. And that's going to be something that we start this year. What I love about Imperative is it really gets to this. Uh, it touches a number of things on your model because ultimately I would I would probably put it squarely in the rituals section. Mm -hmm. but, what I, but what I love about Imperative because it connects people at the peer level and it connects people based on their purpose profile and what really drives them. Um, it's it's a way to help people bring it. It brings an infrastructure, an explicit time for people to connect about their career development, their learning, their relationships, their impact, and their growth. And just like we were talking about around like organizational citizenship and people really like taking ownership of that, that is something I'm really excited to experiment with our team to both connect people across disciplines and, you know, even just in our design team. But ultimately my, my goal is to have a successful enough pilot to be able to bring to more of my city level in the company so that we can start to connect a manager community across, you know, various products or be able to connect designers, engineers, and product managers across, like across a strategic product initiative. Yeah, and, right. and yeah, I'm really, I'm really hopeful for that. I really, I really want people to, to get that experience of like actually getting a deep, meaningful connection with people at work because so much of work has become so transactional and we're kind of just relating to each other as this like bundle of skill sets. Yep. And I want there to be that deeper meaning so people can actually be energized by having that regular feedback cycle because we don't, we are accomplishing a lot and we don't take a pause to stop and look at what we're accomplished. You got to celebrate the wins. Right? You got to celebrate yes. the wins because I, I feel like in this environment, in this time, it's never, like you said, I mean, I, I feel the same thing where it's like, I'm always looking for what's the next thing that we're yeah. trying to get to, because by the time you, if you, you see some, you see the point down the road and you're like, that's going to be awesome when I'm there or hiking. Right. If you're hiking a mountain yeah. and you're like, it's going to be awesome when we get there. Um, and it, there's never there's never a peak. By the time you get there, you're like, of course, I'm here. Now I'm looking on to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, and, and, 
it's just not it and, and so much that. of it is like you're you're on a growth like that's the thing going on that journey you're on a growth journey and i've been feeling this so much because i'm i'm really riding that growth edge and so many people are working in these environments they're 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 upskilling with all the new ai tools they're presenting to leadership and learning how to speak in public and do all of that like this is like growth edge stuff and it and I realized like we have to have those moments to recognize that growth. Otherwise it's like never, it's just never enough. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Reflecting on, Hey, not only you're having an impact, but look what we've done together. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's really, really important to people is to be able yeah. to, you know, and I think as a manager, as a leader, you, you and others can help, um, their teammates, the individual contributors stop and understand that. It's not that you have to invent something. It's you have to just point it out and say, hey, this was amazing. Look what yeah. look what we've done. Look what you did. I think that's yeah. such an, a small, it would not require a ton. Yeah. For just a just a just a a, a a little stop and acknowledge and just decide that you're going to do it. I think that could create you know, definitely contribute to the thriving. Yeah. And, you know, you know, so much of it is about like bringing that humanness and connect like that human connection into our core flow of work, because that's the thing, like, this isn't something you're going to go do on the side. And one of the micro behaviors I encourage my managers to do is just do a round of successes and appreciations as a, as an icebreaker or as a wrap up to a meeting have people pair up or share in the room, share yeah. a success or an appreciation. Like we don't do that enough. I, someone, I actually was, someone put a book on my desk recently that was about leading with gratitude. And I read, I read business books very fast. Uh, but this one, you can imagine what the essence of it was, but it's like, yeah, lead with what's, with what's going well. And mm -hmm. you're going to get that flywheel of appreciation and empathy and energy for continuing to move forward. Cause there's always more work to be done. Um, there's always more growth to be made, but having those, having that positive reinforcement is important. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, well, as we wrap up any um, last minute pro tips or pieces of advice for folks out there who um, are, are leading a team, maybe like yours uh, of that size and scale or within an organization like that, um, what, what should they be, what should they be thinking about and focusing on? One of the most important things that I've introduced that has helped me gain allies in, in this organization is really connecting the employee experience with the customer experience. Like we always say that our products are, are a reflection of the people that build them. Mm. And that has been a way for me to get buy-in from executives and to really, talk about culture in a way that is that is connected to what we're trying to build for for our customers and for people out in the world. So when we say we want to build experiences that are connected and coherent and trustworthy, I always say, well, how are we experiencing that first? Because we cannot build that for our customers unless we experience that first. And what are those things that we're investing in? Like how are our budgets and our like the time that we're spending reflecting that value, that is so important. Amen. I, that's beautiful. I can't. I can't add anything more. That's it. <laughs>
Emily Griffin, Chief of Staff at Microsoft. Thank you so much for coming on Great Mondays Radio. There are so many things that you've given me to think about. I always try to work on coming up with a great episode title, and I have like four or five (laughs) different ones here. So I'm going to have to work a little bit harder because you've given me so much to think about and offered so much great advice. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks for the inspiration over the years, Josh, and we're just getting started. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Hey, if you want to be a guest, head over to greatmondays.com slash radio. We'd love to hear from you. And if you think this episode was interesting and your friends and fans would enjoy it, please share on social media. And if you want to get more people to understand the power of company culture in business today, please rate and review Great Mondays Radio on your podcasts app or podcast feed. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to make sure to hear more candid conversations with culture leaders, subscribe to Great Mondays Radio. And I'd love to connect with you. Find me on LinkedIn at aka Josh Levine, on YouTube at Great Mondays, and you can always email me, josh at greatmondays.com. Find out more about our work with hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations or grab a copy of our book at greatmondays.com. I'm Josh Levine. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio.